Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. prayerfully looking at this time together, um, and Pastor shared a little bit about his experiences and the journeys he made and, and how the Lord put it on their heart to come to Cape Cod. And it's one of the joys of walking with Christ is following him wherever he leads you. Thank you, sweetie. Awesome. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is walking with Christ. And uh, he said Cape Cod never entered his mind. And I know with us, when, when we got our orders to come to Newport, Rhode Island, we literally didn't know where that was. I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area. Jennifer's closer to Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, we lived in PA and Ohio and Virginia and in Europe. And, and then we got orders to come to Newport, Rhode Island back in the mid-90s. And we really had to get, open the map and say, where is that, you know? And uh, it was just a little bit north of Florida. And... Uh, <laughs> but it's exciting to walk with Christ. It's exciting to give your whole life to him. So pardon me for talking softly, but I'm, that's okay. You guys will have to listen louder because I'm talking softer <laughs> this morning. So. But just to walk with him and to give your whole life to him and to say, Lord, I'm yours. All that I, that I have, all that I dream for, all that I ever desire, I place in your hands. Lead me and guide me. Wherever you lead me, I'll follow. Whatever you ask of me, I'll do. Whatever you desire of me, I'm there, and I'm yours forever. Father, we thank you for this precious time. We thank you for this precious church, for Gateway Christian Center and their pastors, pastors Tony and Sherry, and we honor them, Lord. And we bless them, and we bless their growing family and the new grandbaby. And we thank you, Lord, for meeting their needs powerfully in powerful ways, in supernatural ways, Lord, for causing their finances to increase and expand supernaturally, for blessing them, Lord God, with your rich provision in every area of their lives and their children and their grandchildren, and for continuing to lead and guide them, Lord, and build a team around them with hearts after you, Father, with surrendered, submitted hearts to follow you. Lord, that all that you've purposed them to do here on the Cape would be fulfilled gloriously by your Spirit. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, before I even knew really who Christ was, I grew up in a, a, a Roman Catholic family. And uh, it was a very strong Roman Catholic f uh, tradition uh, from an Italian family. And, um, but I really had no idea who Christ was. To me, he was almost like a stained glass window or a statue. We didn't read the Bible. It really wasn't something we were encouraged to do. I, we probably have one in the house. If we did, I don't know. But as I, as I uh, grew older, it was, uh, my home wasn't a pleasant place to be. I'll put it that way. There was a lot of strife in the home. A lot of fierce confrontation and all kinds of 
uh, darkness and confusion. And when I got into my teen years, I just wanted to leave. And my plan was to, to drop out of high school and go out to L.A. and get involved in the entertainment industry out there. But then a friend of mine uh, who I was going to head to L.A. with, he started talking to God. And one night we had just gotten back. It was probably after midnight. We're standing out in the dark in my driveway. And I knew he was kind of changing. And I said, John, what happened to you? And he said, I, I asked God to show me Jesus or something like that. I don't even remember the words. But I remember it was this idea that he could know Jesus. And when he said that, something just went ping in my heart. And I thought, can you do that? Can you know Jesus? Like, can I know Jesus? Can I know God? And that's all it took. The Holy Spirit was working on me. And so I just began to take long walks at night. I'd just get out of my house, and I'd take walks sometimes for two or three hours, and I'd talk to God. Didn't know a scripture. Couldn't find anybody. Didn't, didn't have a Bible. But I, 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 I believed that God was real, and that somehow, by the grace of God, I believed that he cared for me. So I would just take walks, and I took a walk up a hill they called the Monster by my house. It was this long par five on a golf course. <laughs> and I'd go out there maybe 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'd walk up this hill, and, and I'd get to the top, and I'd over, overlook my city of Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and look at the lights and the stars, and I'd say, God, who are you? Show yourself to me. I want to know you. I don't want to know who my church says you are. I want to know who you are. And we began conversations, God and I, that lasted to this day. But that was probably back in 1986, somewhere in there. I was about 16, 17 years old. And I continued talking with him. And I asked him, I said, God, do you want me to go out to L.A.? Because I was ready to go. And we had a great connection out there with some, some, some big people in the industry. And I was chomping at the bit, ready to go. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me, is that your plan for me? Didn't know a scripture, unfortunately. I wish I would have had a Bible. But I wanted his, his will to be done in my life. So I'd ask him, and he began to redirect me. And I knew, just inside, I knew L.A. was not the place for me. So he ended up leading me to northwest Ohio, to another place I didn't know existed called Bowling Green, Ohio, which is up near Toledo. And I ended up meeting a, 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 a performer up there, and we ended up talking. He knew the Lord. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he had just auditioned for something that I auditioned for, and, and he, he uh, asked him, I said, um, How did you, how'd you do in that audition? He said, I'm just kind of waiting to see where the Lord directs me. And I went, me too. And his eyes got real big. He said, really? I said, yeah. And he started talking to me. He brought up the Bible. I said, well, if you get me a Bible, I'll read it. And next day he came back and there was a Bible. <laughs> I had no idea where to start. And he, I said, what do I do with it? So he opened it up in front of me. He said, there's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. He said, why don't you start in the New Testament and turn here. Why don't you go to the book of John and just start reading? And I couldn't wait for him to leave. He left, and I grabbed my Bible, ran back to my room, closed the door, and I put my hand on the Bible. Didn't know one scripture. I said, Father, show yourself to me. God, show yourself to me. And I opened the Bible to the book of John, and it was like the 4th of July inside of me. I just couldn't get enough. <laughs> In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It's just, the Holy Spirit began to unveil Christ to me. 
and uh, I gave my life to Christ shortly thereafter. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to, to experience the gifts of the Spirit and healing and all kinds of things in my life. And that was in the spring of 1989, which was a few years ago. And, uh, but I started walking with him. And I want to encourage you to walk with Christ, to get to know his true nature, and develop a deep and intimate and personal relationship with him. And that's really what our corporate gatherings are for, and it is the pastors are to help us, to equip us to do the work of the ministry and to, to grow stronger in our relationship with Christ. So we're talking about walking with Christ. And you know, if I were to try and tell you about the goodness of my Father, of my God, we wouldn't have enough time in a thousand lifetimes I wouldn't have enough uh, words in my vocabulary to describe how good he's been to me and, to, and then to lead me to the, 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 one, the woman that he prepared for me. And we were in our 28th year of marriage, and we have five amazing children and one grandchild on the way in September. But uh, he's, he's been so faithful to work on our behalf to accomplish things that concern us, to go before us and even turn our mistakes into victories. Amen. And I want to talk to you about this loving, personal, intimate God who made you. And you know, sometimes as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we tend to think of God as like he's one of the people that we interact with. And but we have to renew our minds to realize we're, we're in a relationship with one who has no beginning. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's never learned anything. That takes a, that takes a shift in our thinking. He's never had to study anything. He's never had to learn anything. He's never had to research anything. He's always known everything about everything and everybody for all time. He, he's always known every word in every book before it was ever written. He's perfect wisdom. He's perfect love. He's perfect power. There's no wickedness with him. No evil dwells with him. There's no variance with him. He's not good one day and then less good another day. There's no shadow of turning with him. You can depend on him in every situation, in every circumstance. He's unchanging. He's perfect in all his ways. And I needed a God like that in my life when I was a young man because I, the world I lived in was painful and, and things were changing daily. And I needed to know, is there, is there a God who's more powerful than the people I interact with? Is there a God that will love me no matter what? Is there a God that sees things beyond what I see and that will show me things to come? Jesus talked to the Holy Spirit and he says, how be it when he comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll show you things to come. So this, this God I'm talking about, and you may have been here before or maybe this is your first day here, I'm talking to you about the one who knits you together in your mother's womb. And he cares for you passionately. He cares for you completely. And he is, he's thinking about you constantly. And every thought that he has about you is good. <laughs> Count the grains of sand, but his good thoughts about you would outnumber them. 
This is the one that we're in relationship with. He's perfect love. He's perfect in all his ways. He cares for us 24-7, and no one can make him stop. Isn't that awesome? That's why praise and worship is so important. Praise and worship, when we begin to exalt and we say, Lord, you are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. You're perfect in all your ways. You are the one who made us. You are the God of all creation. You speak and it is so. You, you, you uh, give life to the dead. You call into being that which does not exist. When you begin to speak the word of God and worship him with the reality of his own word, with the reality of who he is, it renews our mind to the one we're born of, to the one we're in relationship with, and it, enable, it, it conditions our heart to respond to him. So I want to encourage you to worship him all day long. That doesn't mean you've got a guitar on or you've got a microphone. It means as you're going through your day in whatever industry you're in, you practice focusing on him internally. Whatever project you're working on, if you're an engineer or whatever field you're in, as you're going through your projects and the different things, get God involved. That doesn't mean you stand up on your desk and, and start shouting scriptures. It means you, you, you continue this internal conversation with him. Father, show me about how this works. Here's the project I've been given in my field. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. What's the best way to do that? Show me by your spirit how, how A and B go together to make L. Show me why Y equals Z and why X to the second power equals G or whatever the case may be. Lord, I've been working on this for weeks. I can't figure Help me out. But as you open that door for that internal conversation, man, he loves talking with his kids. He loves to walk with us throughout our day. It was never meant to be a Sunday morning only thing, right? This is a relationship. We were, when you put your faith in Christ, you were born of the incorruptible seed of his word. Now you're his son, his daughter, and you're in relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And he knows everything you're going through, and he has the answer for every issue that you're facing spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, in your, in your industry, whatever the situation may be. Now, this God that I'm sharing with you about, this God that I walked with on the golf course back in western Pennsylvania, everything about him is off the charts. Everything about him is perfectly amazing. But not only is he perfectly amazing, but the plan that he has for you is off the charts and amazing. You, and I want you to think of yourself this morning. Is that all right? You were created in the image of God. Just think of yourself for a little while. When you look in the mirror, tell yourself that. You were created in the image of God. You're born of God. You're created in the image of God. We were all made in his image. Mankind is unique. We're not animals. We never have been. We never will be. We're not plants. We're not sea creatures. We're not algae. We were a unique class of being. 
that God created in his image. We are created above the angels. We will judge them. They serve us. That was God's order of things. So we were created in the image of God. Now we know that we separated ourselves from God, right? We all rejected God. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But when we rejected him, we plunged ourselves into darkness without even realizing what we did. We were in such darkness that we couldn't even recognize the goodness of God. We couldn't even recognize, we couldn't see clearly the true nature of God. That's why there are so many world religions. Everyone is trying to discover what God is all about. Even atheists. Inside of every human heart, there is this divine implant to know the one who made them. No matter who you are or where you're from. But this darkness blinded us to his true nature. So what did God do about it? He he asked his son, God the son. He said, son, would you empty yourself of your glory and come to earth as a man just like them and reveal to them my nature? So God the son said yes to his father and he actually emptied himself of his glory, it tells us in Philippians. And he was conceived in the womb of a virgin. That's power right there. The seed that joined with the egg in Mary's body was a seed of God. It's the same seed you were born again of. The incorruptible word. Jesus is the word of God. You were reborn of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. God the Son came to earth as a man, was conceived in the womb of a virgin by the Word of God. Mary said, be it done unto me according to your Word. Let's look at this nature of Jesus, the one that we're walking with, because you really can't walk with him successfully if you don't know how good he is, if you don't know his nature. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Some of my favorite verses right here in the very first verse of Hebrews. So we're talking about walking with Christ. In order to really walk and interact and experience him, you've got to know his true nature. If you don't know his goodness, his nature, his, his grace, his compassion, his loving kindness, his mercy, his wisdom, all the things that, that he is, you won't be able to really interact with him and respond to him consistently. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God, after he spoke long ago, uh, long ago to the fathers uh, in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, that's Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Now this is the, the verse that changed my life. It says he, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. Why is that important? A lot of reasons. That means when I opened my Bible back in 
1989, the first time I ever read it, and I opened to the book of John, I was reading the exact nature of God the Father. As I read through the ministry of Jesus and I watched him interact with people, I was looking at God interacting with people. That means I can know the nature and will of God for my life beyond the shadow of a doubt by studying Jesus. Not my version of Jesus, not your version of Jesus, but this version of Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Now, he's all throughout the scriptures. He's Genesis from Revelation. But in the first five books of the New Testament, we have eyewitness accounts of the actual person and ministry of Christ. And to this day, I can't get enough of Jesus, and I've often been criticized uh, for talking too much about Jesus in church. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You can't progress beyond Jesus. Knowing him is an endless pleasure and joy that we will partake of for the rest of eternity. So to walk with Christ, you've got to know that he is the exact representation of the Father. There's no difference between the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts and the heart of the Father. There is no difference. Now, Let's look at a couple more scriptures. In John, let's go to uh, John chapter 14. And you let me know if I'm, just give me a, pull me off with a cane or something if I go too long. You let me know. So, <laughs> okay. Two more hours. Okay, that's good. John chapter 14. Now you understand, it's funny. Now in the, in the tradition I grew up in, every picture of Jesus, he was kind of glowing. And he had this halo above him. And St. Joseph had a halo above him. All these people had halo. But that's not true at all. Isaiah says there was nothing about his appearance that distinguished him. I learned I had to take my religious goggles off when I began reading the scriptures. If you read the Bible through the, the lens of religious tradition, you'll never understand it. Jesus is the key to understanding the Bible. If you read the scriptures through the light of Christ, you'll understand them. And that applies to everything prior to the Gospels and everything following. The light of Christ is the key to understanding Genesis. It's the key to understanding Malachi. It's the key to understanding Titus. It's the light of Christ. So understand when Jesus called his disciples, it wasn't like they heard a choir of angels. It wasn't like he was glowing and had this halo. He was, looked just like you and me. So uh, we don't want to romanticize or turn the Bible into a fairy tale. The Bible is very raw and very real. And I love that about God. He doesn't hide anything. This is, this is about real people following a real God in human flesh. So this, this man, for all they knew, called them to follow him. And they did that. And, and, you know, and they're watching this man not only turn water into wine and make the lame walk, the maimed, hold the blind, see the deaf hear. And then it's in John 14, one of his disciples, well, a couple of them, they look at Jesus and, and they don't, really don't know who he is. 
Even after hearing him, listening to his teaching, watching him operate, they're still confused as to who he is. And in, in fact, in John, uh, well, let's go to John 14, as I said, verse 5, Thomas this is the famous disciple who's known as Doubting Thomas, right? That's all we know about him. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and now how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth. Remember, no, no, no music, no great worship team. There's just a, a man standing before them, but the anointing of God is upon him, the Holy Spirit. So that was definitely there. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip, another one of the disciples, says to them. Now keep in mind, they were traveling with him. They were physically watching him do what he did. Sometimes people say, if I could just see Jesus, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Believing doesn't come from seeing, right? It comes from, from taking God at his word, whether you see it or not, right? So Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that's sufficient for us. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Philip was asking to see the Father. What is Jesus saying me for? Remember Hebrews 1.3? He's the exact representation of the Father. He said, have I been with you so long? All that I've said to you, all that I've demonstrated for you, and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I love that. I love that. How can you say Show me the Father. How can you say that, Philip? I've been living my life before you. Hallelujah. Walking with Christ. I mean, not only is the nature of our heavenly Father off the charts, he's perfectly amazing in all his ways. He gives life to the dead. He calls into being that which does not exist. It not only is his plan for our lives amazing and off the charts, but listen, if you take anything away from today, take this. He wants you to walk with him through each and every moment of your day and night. Now, let's, let's read some more Jesus. It's, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. I can't get enough of Jesus. I find the more, the closer I get to him, the more I want of him. I find the more that I taste of him, the more I hunger for him. Matthew chapter 11. And this is one of my favorite passages because Jesus is about to share with us the nature of our walk with him, okay? He's going to describe how to walk with him. In chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 27, I want to call your attention to something very interesting. In the message translation, it says, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now... Tenderly. Hmm. 
So how was he talking to them before? If he's, he's changing his tone now. Now he's about to talk to them tenderly. I thought Jesus always talked tenderly. Oh, no. Can, can we back up a few verses? We're, our goal is to get to verse 28, but we're going to back up before we get there. So Jesus was just talking to them, but he wasn't talking tenderly. Actually, he was rebuking. He was, he was uh, repudiating. Let's look at verse, uh, let's go back to verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. That word repent in the, green, in the Greek means to change your mind and change your purpose. It has nothing to do with penitence. That was a man-made thing that a religious tradition established. The word repent is not in the Greek. Metanoia. They did not change their mind. They did not change their purpose. Let me read it to you out of the message. Verse 20. You ready for this? Next, Jesus let fly on the cities. He's going off on them. And I say this because I want you to know there, there are different situations that require for different tones of voice. And if you're a parent, you understand what I mean, right? Now, Jesus let fly on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had repented the least. Read that again. Now, Jesus let fly on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had repented the least, shrugging their shoulders and going their own way. Wow. Now let's talk about this a little bit because everything about God is good. But if you know anything about love, you know there's a time to be tender and there's a time to be tough. And you know, being a pastor is like being a father. And sometimes you have to be tender, but sometimes you have to be tough. And I, I think back to our kids, you know, amazing kids. But I decided before I was ever married that Christ would be my all in all. And that if I did ever get married, and that was before I ever met Jennifer, that he would be the center of our marriage. And then I met Jennifer, and that's exactly what he's been. He's been the center of our marriage. And, we, and if we ever had children, he'd be the center of our children's lives. That he would be the one that we build our lives around. And, uh, you know, there are times when we would laugh and roll around on the floor with our kids and play I played Barbies. I played uh, all kinds of things and had a great time with my kids, Legos, uh, taking walks in the woods. But there are also times where I'd say, no, very firmly, very firmly, because they, they didn't know any better, but they were about to do something that would injure them. So I would speak very firmly. And I'm talking six, eight months, nine months old, little. The best time to discipline your children is the first five years, first five to seven. Then after that, you have to change the whole approach. If you don't capture those first five to seven years, you really need wisdom in the later years. It's a whole different approach, okay? So we knew we had to capture those first five years, and I knew that I needed to teach them to respond to me like I respond to the Holy Spirit. And in my walk with the Lord, there are times he'd say, stop. 
not audibly like you're hearing me, but in here, a witness from the Holy Spirit would just about arrest me, say, hold on. And I knew it was something I needed to listen to. The other times we'd laugh together, you know, the Holy Spirit and me, and he would, you know, he'd share things with me tenderly, but sometimes he'd say, stand up. Stop thinking that way. There are different tones required for different situations. And I want to encourage you to, to walk with the Lord and respond. He has the appropriate tone for each situation. And it's been a, a privilege to, uh, when the Lord called us into full-time ministry back in 1999, and I began to learn what the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers were for, and really uh, uh, the role of a pastor is a spiritual father. And I want to encourage you to honor pastors Tony and Sherry, and I love this scripture in Hebrews 13, 17. We're going to get back to Matthew in just a second. But it says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? And when I read that, I think of being a dad. And I, and I think of, of raising our children. I knew that if I could teach them to respond to my voice and to Jennifer's voice immediately, they would be spared from harm. Yeah. And one of the examples that comes to mind I share often was uh, when our children was little and wanted to stick her fingers in the electric socket, which might be fun. I, I, I've gotten zapped a couple times, but I knew it wasn't a good idea. Had a little bit of knowledge of how those things work. So uh, she went to reach for it, and she was maybe, uh, I don't know if even a year, maybe a year old. And she went to reach for it. I said, no. And she looked up at me. And she went. And that's how the flesh is, right? Can you all relate? Right? The flesh wants to try it out, right? Let's see. Why? I don't, I don't want to believe that, no. So I, I, I very, very firmly, I took her little hand and went, no. Her hand in mine, just like that. It didn't hurt her, but it stung. And she went, and then she walked away from the, or crawled away from the electric outlet. And we would do that with our children when they were little. And you know, the world does not understand godly discipline. Godly discipline never injures Never injures, right? It builds up. It makes stronger. I saw an ad for something. I don't know what the product is, and if you have the product, forgive me. But it was a product for parents, and it's some piece of technology, and it's to try and keep the, the way that the parents they have in the commercial said, I love this thing. It keeps me from being the bad guy. And I guess it's something that the parent can push, and it, it's a signal sending to the kids they have to go into a timeout or something. That's got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Why? Timeouts are not from God. This idea of not dealing directly with your children is not from God. God doesn't put on a timer or a buzzer to deal with you. He wants to deal with you directly. He wants this interaction with you. So the, there are so many parents who are afraid to discipline their children. 
because they listen to the wisdom of man. But if you want your children to thrive, discipline them. Train them to hear your voice and respond because that's how we walk with Christ. We hear his voice and we respond. The witness of the Holy Spirit I'm talking about, not an audible voice. We hear that witness of the Holy Spirit. We don't ignore it. We respond to it because we know he always has our best in mind, right? He's always got our best in mind. Now, Let's go on to verse 21. So here is Jesus. He's letting it fly. Verse 21 of Matthew 11. He says, Woe to you, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if if the works that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And he goes on. He rebukes Capernaum. And he continues, and notice nowhere in there does he say, oh, you know, Capernaum, you're going to have to go into a timeout. Yeah. Right? There's something, there's something about reverence for God. And I want you to understand what I'm saying. We've received the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. And along with that should come a healthy reverence for him. Yes. That when he speaks, we respond. Because he is the true and living God. There is no one that compares to him. So we honor him by being attentive to his desires in our walk with Christ. Right? So he goes through and he rebukes them and he says, But I say to you in verse 26, It shall be more tolerable for the the, uh, land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Remember, everything that Jesus says is good news. It would be God's desire that they would hear this rebuke and they would respond. What is it? Uh, is it 2 Timothy 3.16? It says, uh, God, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. You know, I, we, we've had to make a lot of major decisions in the last eight weeks. And I call my pastor who's up in North Reading. And I call spiritual leaders in my life, pastors and ministers that have been in ministry for decades and have good relationships with their wives and their children and have fruit that they can show for it. And I'll tell them what the Lord is speaking to my heart. And I'll say, you know, remember, feel free to rebuke me at any time. I welcome rebuke in my life. I do. I want correction. And I will say that to anyone who's a leader in my life. I won't go in with an attitude and try and tell them how it's going to be. I'll say, this is what I think the Lord is speaking to me. What do you have to say? What do you want to share with me? Feel free to rebuke me. Rebuke is a wonderful thing when the one who's doing it is doing it out of the love of Christ. Proverbs says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. It's a wonderful thing. It's an aspect of love we might not think of uh, too much, but I'll tell you, it's very important. It keeps us from harm. So after Jesus lets it fly, okay, now he shifts gears. And now that's where we started. He begins to speak to them tenderly. Let me read verse 25 in the message. And I want you to get this shift because when you're walking with the Lord, there will be shifts in the way you handle things. And sometimes as as a leader, when you're walking with the Lord, he will speak to you about something and you're the only one who knows it. 
And you've got to stay tight with him and let him direct and guide you and navigate through this thing. So we see this in verse 25. Remember, he just gets finished letting it fly. His hope is they'll respond to it and turn. And abruptly, it says in the message, abruptly. That means it wasn't natural, okay? It was abruptly Jesus broke into prayer. Have you ever done that? There are times in my life walking with Christ, it's just all of a sudden, prayer comes out. Because something's happening. I may not know, it may not be right in front of me, but I'm sensing something by the Spirit of God, and I need to pray in the Spirit. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. He said, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You're, I love how he talks. You've concealed your ways from sophisticated, (laughs) from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Walking with Christ. This is how God likes to work. He likes to work with people who don't think they know it all. If you think you know it all, then there's a blockade up already. God's trying to to get in, but you you don't feel you need Him, right? All right, let's continue, verse 27, verse 27. This is the message translation. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. Trying to get a picture of this whole flow here, okay? First, it was a rebuking. Then abruptly, he breaks into prayer, and now he shifts into tenderness, okay? Now he's explaining to them this walk that he wants us to have with the Father that's just like his walk with the Father. He says, the Father has given me all these things to do and say, this is a unique father-son relationship. At that point, he was the only son, the only begotten son, right? But after he rose from the dead, he was the firstborn, but not the last, right? You're his son, you're his daughter. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation. Listen, coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. Walking with Christ. Intimacy. Knowledge. Knowledge of his true nature. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Jesus is ready to bring you into the same intimacy, the same knowledge that he had with the Father when he walked on this earth. I don't know about you, but that thrills me to no end. That I could walk in the same intimacy and the same knowledge of the Father as Jesus did in his ministry. Yes, you can. This is for every believer. Every believer. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. 
So he's ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to t listen. Look at verse 28. Now he begins to describe this walk with him. He says, are you tired? Check. <laughs> Worn out? Check. Burned out on religion? Check. I checked all those when I was 17. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. The greatest joy of my life since those walking on the golf course days at night is getting alone with my Heavenly Father. There's nothing sweeter than being alone with Him. Nothing. Not clam cakes. Not quahogs. Nothing sweeter than taking time aside to be alone with your Heavenly Father. You'll discover your true life when you get alone with Him. I had all kinds of things I thought I should do in my life. Even up to this point in my life, there, there are things the, the Lord had asked of me, then there were things that I thought, you know, that the Lord would, would want us to do. And as I got alone with him, he began to shed light on the days ahead and shift our direction and began to lead us in a certain way. I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't gotten alone with him. We're never too busy to spend time with him. Never too busy to cultivate an intimate. It's the most profitable thing you can do. Nothing will give you a greater advantage than, no, than spending time alone with Him. Paul said that in Philippians 3, 8 through 10 in the Amplified. He said, this priceless privilege, the supreme advantage of knowing Him more progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with the wonders of his person. Yes. I want to stir you to spend time with him in your private lives. Today, find a place at the beach or just find a place out in the woods. Just find a place where no one's going to bother you and turn your phone off, silence it, forget about it, forget about any notifications. They're not that important. And just you and take your hard copy Bible with you. And open it up and start worshiping Him. And let the Holy Spirit take the seed of God's Word and, and, and inside of you. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Verse 28, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. There's that intimacy. Open invitation for anyone. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You, you know, I grew up in a family where the adults, not only my parents, but their siblings and our the adults, by and large, were very stressed. You know, they were, they were pulling in a lot of money, but man, were they stressed. You know, uh, and I thought to myself, I didn't know it. scriptures. I'm just, I'm thinking seven, eight years old. I'm thinking this isn't good. You know, my dad looks exhausted. My mom looks exhausted. 
This, this, there's got to be a better way to live than this. God wants you to live life in his strength, with his wisdom, that whatever you're asked to do, you would learn to do it by his strength, with his wisdom, so that you would live life in a state of rest. That does not mean inactivity. It's a very productive, fruitful life. In fact, more fruitful if you'll do it in his strength than you'll do it in your own strength. It means spirit-led activity. So I decided the only type of work I would ever accept is what the Lord leads me to accept. So I never took any type of job based on money. I would just say, Lord, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do next? Still doing that today. Not based on finances, based on what he leads me. And it's amazing how he cares for us. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Say bye-bye to stress when you spend time with him. You'll be tempted to be stressed. Doesn't mean you won't have problems or challenges, but you'll learn to abide with him. You'll learn to walk through these things with his wisdom and strength leading the way. You might be in the midst of a challenging situation, but the peace of Christ will be ruling in your life. Verse, uh, let's see, let's go on. Verse 29. Walk with me and work with me. This is Jesus talking, right? Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And here's a word, a phrase that's changed my life. It says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And as we finish up, I just want to call your attention to that phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love to stand on the shore, whether it's Atlantic, Pacific, I don't know, where there's just a tide rolling in. I just love that sound. It's one of my favorite sounds. That and the wind blowing through the trees. But I love to watch those waves just Unforced rhythms of His grace. That's what He's called us to. There's a flow in walking with Him. This is, now for me, I, I, you, I'm a, a real go-getter kind of person. It's, very, it's been very difficult for me to <clears throat> pull back, take a break. That's for me, I've got a, uh, I've got a, that's, the Lord's brought me a long way in this, okay? But there was a phrase that our kids taught us, and you, I think it's still used, but years ago, if someone was trying to make something happen, if we saw something online, they say, Dad, that's a force. In other words, it's not natural. As you're walking with Christ, start listening and, and sensing the flow of the Holy Spirit in your day. And when you start stepping outside of that, you'll feel it. It's not, it's forced. <laughs> it's so good to be God. So, you know, there, I, I, I've got a long list on my phone of projects and things I want to get done. <laughs> but I, I'm learning to flow with him. 
throughout my day. And sometimes there's things that I, there are things I feel are urgent and should be addressed right away, but I'll get alone with the Father. He said, don't worry about it. I want you to do this now. But what about so-and-so? And I haven't called them, and I need to send these emails. Just stay with me right now. I'll take care of it. I want you to do this today. But I wasn't planning on doing that. I've got this. this, this. <laughs> Unforced rhythm. Stay in the flow of walking with him. And it's amazing how that flow carries you forward. And it's effortless. It's like the waves rolling in, you know. And if you'll stay with that flow, you're going to arrive at your destination. When you get there, you're going to say, God, you're amazing. How did you do that? And I'm not tired. I'm full of energy and strength. I'm not drained. The unforced rhythms of his grace. Let's pray together. I want to encourage you to just to open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now. I feel the Lord really wants to, to refresh some people. To uh, refresh and restore, reinvigorate some people. Some people who have been working very hard to try and get things done. And I feel the Holy Spirit wants you to know that your Father understands. He knows how we're made. He understands what we can handle and what we can do. And he wants wants you to just put it in his hands and let him lead you through these things. Let him lead you through these projects. Let him lead you through these relationships, through these family situations. Let him lead you through these ministry situations. Learn to, to sense and walk in the unforced rhythms of his grace. No situation is urgent to God because he can do anything. Jesus' close friend Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. That's beyond urgent. That would be considered over. Wasn't urgent to Jesus. Why? He raises the dead. The things that that the devil will tell you urgent, that other people will tell you urgent, you have to do this, you better do that, or you need to, will wear you out. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in what you decide needs to be done, in what needs to be done in your daily life. He'll take care of, 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 of all the other things on your list. Just give it to Him. Holy Spirit, thank you right now for strengthening for your peace rising up in each one of your sons and daughters here at Gateway in the Highway family, Father, and all those that are joining us online. Thank you for the peace of Christ coming to the forefront in our minds and our hearts and guarding our hearts and minds and, and surpassing head knowledge. Lord, we choose to let your peace be the umpire of our lives to determine what it is we're to give our time, energy, and resources to. Help us, Lord Jesus, to walk with you, to work 
with you. To watch how you do it. And to learn the unforced rhythms of your grace. We know you're not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on us. We know you love us perfectly. And we respond to your leading in our lives. Hallelujah. Just keep our attention on the Holy Spirit just for a few more moments. I really believe he's strengthening some people right now. Just as if you were sitting in those rolling waves in the shore and it's just refreshing as the waves just splash up over your feet and your legs and the wind's blowing in your face and you're watching the setting sun. Be refreshed by the Holy Spirit right now. Your mistakes are behind you. Your past is behind you. The plan of God is in front of you. And it's a prosperous plan. Behold, all things become new in Christ. You're a new creation in Him. Let your Father lead you. Take Him by the hand. Let Him lead you. And watch what He does. Jesus. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.